Today's scripture is John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for, I, for so I am. If then your Lord and your teacher has washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good evening and good morning. <clears throat> good morning to those online. Am I within the parameters so they can see me? Thank you. Um, if you are new to redemption, my name is Marcus and I'm one of the pastors here. Um, as you can probably see already, I am a chocolate preacher and I prefer an exchange while I'm preaching, <laughs> if you don't mind. Uh, church is, in the tradition we come from, church is not a spectator, it is inclusive. You didn't know you stepped into a black church this evening, right? Or no visible clocks. The preacher has the only clock in the building, and he's going to talk. I'm, I'm only kidding. I uh, came to this country a refugee, and I've become a missionary. Amen. Uh, let us pray. Thank you, Father God, for this evening, for the morning. As those who watch, uh, may your word go forth. Uh, 
I'm only a messenger, O oh Lord. Uh, pray that you use me this evening uh, to speak your truth, uh, the truth of the word of God that is so sharp uh, it can separate, that it can change lives. If I didn't believe it, I wouldn't be doing it. Lord, I thank you for the hearts and minds that are here, that will be engaged with me this evening. Father God, may you bless each family that is represented here. May the word go forth this evening. Amen. As I always uh, begin, let me be quick to say that James chapter 3 verse 1 says to me as a reminder that uh, we who are teachers will be judged more strictly. So what I'm going to do, what everyone that stands in his pulpit every Sunday or Saturday does, will, they will be judged for before the Father. So as I take my time to, to study and to pray, uh, I pray that God uses me, that one day when I stand before God, I will be judged based on what I'm going to do in the next half hour. We are in, thank you Liz for reading, we are in the book of John, we're at chapter 13. I will have lots of questions for you to reflect on as I go this evening. I pray you are able to reflect on one or two of them and, and have them center you. Um, how hard is it to say goodbye? How hard is it when you see someone for the last time and you know it to say goodbye? What do you say? I'm well aware that this last year, some of us have had to say goodbye. Uh, some of us didn't get the opportunity to say goodbye. One of the aspects I like about traveling, and I did a fair amount this summer, is I like to observe people in the airport when they're saying goodbye, the hugs, the kisses, the tears, the joy sometimes. Saying goodbye is sometimes something that few people enjoy doing. There's an emotional tug at our hearts when we say goodbye is particularly, I think, exacerbated when both parties know they may not ever see each other again. On June 14, 1990, I said goodbye to my father unknowingly that, unknowingly that it would be the last time I would see him. My father lost his life two months later. I was 11. I have a lot of experience in saying goodbye. I've said a lot of goodbyes. I said some this summer. In John chapter 13, Jesus Christ our Lord it's on a Thursday night, he's saying goodbye to his disciples because this weekend he's going to be crucified. It's Passover week, and all the disciples are with him. I have titled this sermon this evening, Are You Washed and Ready? Are You Washed and Ready? The disciples are all in the room, all together. At this time, we know through scriptures, we kind of know their personalities. If you read the scriptures, you know which one of the disciples is outspoken, which one is very careful, which one is unsure, and which one is a betrayer. We know looking back, but in that moment, maybe they do not. When they're sitting in that room, and Jesus knows that he perhaps will have a few more moments with them, a few more days with them, and he's saying goodbye, they may not know. Jesus does something that is out of the ordinary. He adopts the posture. He adopts the dress of a servant. See, any one of these disciples would have gladly washed Jesus' feet. 
I can imagine, I want to take you into that room. Imagine the embarrassment of the disciples as their teacher, the man who has performed all these miracles. They were all there when he turned water into wine. They were there when he fed 5,000 people. They were there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And now he's washing their feet. Jesus, being aware of the fullness of his urgent, his power and his destiny, he strips down, he takes off his outer garments. I'm going to take you a little bit more into the room. Jewish men normally wore three, kind of three layers of clothing. They wore a cloak, they wore what's called an outer garment, and then what's called an inner garment. Same thing we do, jacket, shirt, underclothes. The NASB says that the NASB says this. It says he girded himself, so he he stripped off his outer garment. He took off his cloak, stripped off his outer garment, so he's in his undies, if you will, and he girded himself, put the towel around his waist, and he begins to wash their feet. This is his attire right now is is that the attire of a servant, of a slave, if you will. He would have looked just like a slave. Usually when men came home, their slaves would wash their feet. Not only was he dressed like a slave, but he was doing the work of a slave. No teacher would have done this to his disciples. Matter of fact, Jesus would have asked the disciples to do this. You would think at the last moments, at the last days of Jesus' life, that he would be leaving final instructions. Who's going to be in charge of this? Who's going to do this? Who's going to take the lead after I'm gone? but he's washing feet. The vulnerability in the servanthood of Jesus is clear. Jesus is washing feet here, and there are a few dynamics in the room that I want you to be aware of. The elevated but understated and unspoken exchange that is happening between Jesus and Judas. The other dynamic is John, who wrote this account. He's sitting in the room. Peter is in the room. Philip, Thomas, they're all in the room. He says this in verse 6. As he continues to wash their feet, he's walking around the room washing their feet. Can you imagine? He came to Simon Peter's verse 6 says, Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing to you, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, but also my hands and head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said this. Not all of you are clean. By the way, by the way, this is me reading in the a, in a white spaces here now. By the way, it says, it names Judas' Judas's father. It says Simon, Judas's Judas's son, uh, Judas's father. Can you imagine what Simon felt after Judas betrayed the Savior? Like, dude, you have one job. Don't betray the Savior. You're my son. Jesus begins to wash the feet of the disciples. Grabs a basin, he pours out the water and begins. The tension and the embarrassment must have filled the room. 
He gets to Peter. If you're familiar with Peter, you know that Peter in your Bible is, is the guy who always spoke first and, and thought later. <laughs> Please wash my whole body. But Jesus is focused. See, in the ancient world where there were no shoes, if you took a bath, your head and body would be clean way longer than your feet would. The moment you stepped outside, you were dirty. Your feet were grimy. To this day, in some Middle, East, in some Middle Eastern cultures, they reserve particular contempt to people's feet. We, if we think, we think feet are gross here. There was a particular contempt. Folks regularly washed feet, washed their feet when they when they washed their feet when they returned home. When they when they got into someone's house, their feet were muddy. They came to your house, they washed their feet. It was Passover at this point, so animals were all over the city. You get the picture. Leaving what they what we wouldn't desire. Across all religious cultures in the Middle East to this day, the feet are associated. And not a feet are associated with something very low, not held in high regard. In my elementary school in West Africa, I went to elementary school downtown. It was in a mostly Muslim, Muslim neighborhood. There were Muslim, there were mosques all over the place, and, I, and my middle school, my elementary school was right there. And whenever the prayer calls would go out in the streets in Monrovia, people would gather at, at the mosque and they would always take off their shoes. Wash their feet, wash their faces before they went in. Same thing at mealtimes. They would do this. So the culture continues. If you remember, if you know history, and I'm not being political in any way in this statement, in 2003, the United States invaded Iraq. And when, when the Marines got to Baghdad, I think it was April of 2003, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm wrong, but when they got to Iraq, when they got to Baghdad, they toppled a, 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 stat, a statue of Saddam Hussein. And when that statue came down, you know what the people did? They took off their shoes and were smacking the face of Saddam Hussein. Some were stomping on it with their bare feet. Our news media couldn't make sense of it. But it was because of the contempt of feet and how, well, how much they despised Saddam. It wasn't lost on me that a few months, a few years later, President Bush at the time went to Iraq, and you know what happened to him? Someone took off their shoes and threw it at him. It's the same kind of connotation. I have so much contempt towards you, and my feet is what I'm going to throw at you. Jesus in the first century is actually washing physically the dirtiest part of a person on the la one of the last nights of his life. He's washing feet to show metaphorically what he's willing to do to us, for us, spiritually. If you were asleep, I'm going to say it again. Jesus is washing feet to show metaphorically what he is willing to do to our lives spiritually. In the room, let's not forget, let me get back to this man named Judas. He's in the room He's the one that would betray Jesus. He's the one that would sell Jesus to the religious leaders and have him crucified. Jesus is washing his feet. Jesus knew Judas would betray him. Jesus knowing that Jesus, that Judas knowing that he would betray Jesus is getting his feet washed. Jesus is in fact saying, I know you will betray me. 
you know you will betray me, and you know that I know you will betray me. You follow that? The electricity, the spiritual electricity in the room. The spiritual dimension in this room is supercharged. Verse 2 says, the devil had already placed in Judas's heart to betray Jesus. So there's a spiritual element. There's a demonic element that's happening here. Every disciple in that room knows Jesus knows what's about to happen. I'm sorry. Jesus knows everything about every disciple in that room. He knows all their lives. He knows all the sins they've committed. He knows all the things that they're hiding, yet he washes their feet. He knows who's scared. He knows who's doubting. He knows who's timid. He knows who will deny him. He knows who will fade away, yet he washed them all. As he used to say in the lunch cafeteria when I was in high school, Jesus could drop dimes on everybody. I'm not sure what that means. Jesus knows every secret about everybody. He got the receipts, the kids would say. So Peter protests, right? He said, man, no, no, not, not my feet. Don't do this. Jesus makes it clear. If you do not share in my humiliation, you have no part in my exaltation. If you cannot humble yourself to have your feet washed, you will not be exalted. Serving Jesus Christ demands our humility. As Christ is demonstrating so clearly here, the first must be the last in the kingdom. We must enter the kingdom in humility. We must need to have our feet washed. All people in that room at that meal went into ministry. They went into, in, in, into serving God. Not because they had just merely hung out with Jesus, but because they understood they were humbled that Jesus had hung himself on the cross for them. They had been humbled to have their leader wash their feet and later die. John, the writer of this account, we are reading now, is writing later. I imagine, I just imagine as he was writing, it finally starts to click to him. Like, man, when we were in that room, Jesus knew Judas would betray him, yet he washed his feet, right? The commentary, he knew it, yet he, he, he did it anyway. He knew my sins, yet he washed my feet. Jesus knows everything about you and me, and he will still wash your feet. Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. While our spiritual feet are still dirty, he loves us. Are you washed and ready? We see Jesus' humility here, and it is very admirable. It is something to be strived for. The level of servanthood here is, man, I need to attain that. I need to get to where Jesus is. But this story, however, is not just a moral story for us on being humble. It's not a reminder for us to go on serving others, although this is very important. Jesus gave us a great example here. How many of you have heard that sermon before? Be more humble. Whether you heard it from the pulpit, you heard it from a coach, you heard it from a parent, you heard it from a mentor, you've heard it. I heard it from my, my sports coaches, right? You score a touchdown, act like you've been there before. 
Allow me to explore this passage even further. As hard as it is to stoop down and wash another person's feet, has it entered your mind that it might be harder, even more humbling, to allow someone to wash your feet? I heard one over here. Some of us hide our pride in being able to serve others where we can get the glory and people say, oh man, that guy's really humble. That girl's really humble. Peter has a measure of that in this passage. Lord, you shouldn't be the one washing my feet. You see, when the dirtiest part of our lives, is that a plane? <laughs> when the dirtiest parts of our lives are on display, there is humility there. When you open up yourself to have your feet washed, there is vulnerability there. There is an embarrassment there. Is there anyone in your life who knows you well enough to know that your feet are dirty? I'm not speaking of physical dirt. I'm speaking of spiritual dirt. When was the last time you had your feet washed? The symbolism of, wa of foot washing can't just be physical. Jesus' act here is not merely physical. Washing feet is not what it takes to follow Jesus. Having your feet washed physically is not all it takes. So this story is more than just having your physical feet washed. If it all it takes to get your physical feet washed, how, then we'll all be good. I can get my feet washed one time and roll out and go on with my Christian life. The washing of the feet is complete and total surrender of all your activities and allowing Christ to serve you. Are you willing to be washed? The vulnerability of being served. Verse 14, Jesus says, If then I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Y'all ready to go there? Can I release these cats in the middle of the pigeons in your heart? <laughs> you ready to go there? Peter's interaction with Jesus. Jesus is saying, let me stop you right there, bro. I need to do this for you. Don't let your pride get in the way. Right? If I don't do this, you can't follow me. Most of us, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, I know, are uncomfortable with people touching or even seeing our feet. You know how brave I was last week to come up in here wearing some slippers. <laughs> we wear shoes so much. Can I go there this evening? The corns, the hammer toes, the ashiness, the soccer feet. I got soccer feet. I'm not going to lie. I'll stop there. We understand that feet are gross. Feet stink. They rarely make public appearances unless they're fully and carefully cleaned. We can see the physical, but I want you to feel the spiritual. So this is an object lesson here by Jesus. The foot washing can't just be physical. It has to be spiritual. The washing of feet, like I said before, is complete and total surrender. You're showing the dirtiest part and allowing Jesus to wash you. Jesus never told us, he never told the disciples when they were coming for dinner that night, hey, this is going to be a foot washing tonight. <laughs> what, what would they have done? They would have pre-washed, like everybody else, right? 
Have you ever been to a church service? You know there's going to be a foot washing. You wash your feet before you go. It's a pre-wash. They would have showed up all cleaned up, ready to go. See, that's what we do. When you know it's coming, you want to pre-wash yourself. When you know you're going into a group of people that maybe something might come out about your life, you try to cover it up. You try to preemptive, you know, you know the preemptive wash. The preemptive, I'm going to say this if they say this. Jesus knows the lives of the disciples well enough and intimate enough that he's able to wash their feet. Who in your life, who knows you well enough to wash your spiritual feet? Do you have a community of people that you, who are regularly washing your feet? See, the foot washing here, let me just get this, get this out of the way. The foot washing I'm talking about here is not the king or queen foot washing where you sit down and say, hey, man, go ahead and wash it. Wash my feet, please. It's not the king or queen treatment. Is the one where this is the one where your shoes are busted. You're tired. You can't even afford soap and water. You don't have the means to do it. And someone comes along with warm water, with a towel and a basin. When you least suspect this, and begin to wash the sores of your feet. Begin to clip the toenails, scrubbing the feet. Some of y'all the heel. Mm. Spiritually, spiritually, what am I referring to? If you're going to have your feet washed spiritually, there's a shoulder to cry on. There's a brother that comes alongside of you. This goes out to the men. We don't, most of us don't have anybody that's washing our feet, right? Suicide rates for men over 35 out the roof. Nothing against marriage, absolutely nothing. But when we get married, our wife is supposed to be our best friend. But male friendships are just as important. Sometimes the foot washing hurts, but it heals. I need you to hear me. Sometimes the spiritual foot washing hurts, but it heals. You need, we all need someone holding a scalpel rather than a knife. The differences between a scalpel and a knife is that when you open yourself up for your feet to be washed or for your body to be cleansed and someone has a knife, they hurt you. Just like when you're sitting on a, when you're laying on an operating table, they don't use knives, they use scalpels because they need to heal you. It ultimately heals. The washing of each other's feet is almost a constant act of sanctification. You need people to constantly push you in a direction so that you go with Christ so you, can, so you can get more sanctified. Foot washing is humbling. See, for me, maybe many of you, it's easier for me to get on a plane and go serve somewhere where nobody knows me. My feet are dirty, but I'm serving. I'm washing other people's feet when I haven't had my feet washed because we want to be in control. We need to be ministered to in a vulnerable way. Before you lead, have you been washed? Are you washed and ready? 
before you step up and say, Lord, I'm ready to lead. Like the disciples all in that group, they all had their feet washed before their ministry started. Jesus submitted to John and got baptized by him before his ministry got started. So where do you come just jumping in and starting to serve and, and wanting to do these things? These are great, but you haven't had your feet washed. That's why we have some preachers nowadays falling by the wayside because they just they, they uplifted themselves. Didn't get their feet washed before they started washing other people's feet. There was an old TV show. <laughs> an old TV show. It went off the air in 1993. Some of you guys weren't born at that point. Uh, in the spring of 1993, I had just come to the States, I've been in the States for about a month, and it was such a big deal in Boston. Oh, Cheers is going off TV. Last episode, I was wondering what's going on. What, what's, what's so good with this show? I didn't get it. If you're of a certain age, you know this show. And if you're of a certain age, I apologize. But the opening scene and the credit and the theme song of that show had a line that always stuck with me. And you know me, I'm not going to sing. <laughs> Making your way in the world today, someone can sing it for me. Takes everything you got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All those nights, you've got no lights. The check is in the mail, and your little angel hung the cat up by its tail. And your third fiancé didn't show. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. The show was set in a bar where everyone would come in after work and share their problems of the day and share their troubles, their problems, their marriage, their kids in a bar to the bartender. Strangers they didn't know but they formed a community in that bar where they encouraged one another and shared life. Why am I saying this? Believe me, there are bartenders in this city doling out worldly wisdom to handle the stresses of people's lives. Those bartenders are doing what Christian community should be doing. They are washing people's feet. The truth is, some of us end up sitting across from these bartenders when we're faced with trouble. I didn't hear any amens, but I'm going to keep going. Some of us sit across from, that's our only place to go, to get our feet washed, to get our problems heard. Why them? Christian community, we have a better message. We have a greater message. We have a more everlasting message. We have a life-changing message. We have a message that is capable of changing lives forever. Are you willing to go somewhere where where people know more than your name, where everybody knows your sin? Are you willing to go into a group of Christian people where you can have your feet washed and they know your sin and you know theirs? Is that the cat in the middle of the pigeons here now? Can I keep going? Are you willing to share when your light bills, when your light bills do and you ain't got it? 
when unemployment is hit because of COVID, when you're tempted to drink yourself under the table, are you willing to go where people know more than your name, where they know your pain, where they know your problems? Are you wanting to walk the journey of life with Jesus Christ? You cannot do it without having your feet washed regularly. Are you hearing me? You must first have your feet washed and be humble so you can be able to serve by showing your spiritually dirty feet and having them washed time and time and time again. We must do for each other what Christ did for us. What Christ did for the disciples, we must do for each other. It is not lost on me that some of us are afraid to get into deep Christian community because you may be too proud to know, for people to know your sin. To know you well enough to know how to wash your feet. You're afraid that maybe people will judge. What would they say about me when I'm not in the room? Have I said too much? If you want lasting impact in this life, you must have your feet washed. I remember one afternoon, or one morning, I was driving any to work. I was, we, were in, we were in seminary, and we get to one of those four-way stop signs in Massachusetts. God bless Massachusetts drivers. If you live there, you know what I mean. <laughs> if they're watching this, it is what it is. <laughs> we get to this four-way stop sign, and it's, it's traffic on either all, all four of them, and we're the second car behind. And me being a great seminary student that I am, studying sin and all these great things, I say, Annie, watch this. You're going to see the heart of man right in this intersection right now. Keep watching. And sure enough, right, people are like, eh, you got here first, I got here first. Because you're like, go ahead. Only person's like, I'll go. <laughs> and I get to the front of the line. And someone zips in front of me. And I went, and she was like, yeah, I do see. <laughs> I do see. Man, that's me. Driving is probably one of my one of my worst my worst moments. One night someone someone went ahead of me in the stop sign and I got there first and it got to me. Now you know. Now you know. Jesus is washing the disciples' feet to demonstrate his humility towards them, which includes Judas. Jesus is telling us to serve in humility and be served in humility because there's a blessing that comes with being washed. Because unless we are washed, we cannot follow Jesus. Unless we are washed, we cannot follow Jesus. This evening, as we, as we, as we, as we close... I want to ask you, like I said, I would ask you a number of questions. Are you washed and ready? Have you made the decision to enter into Christian community and have people look at, have a time in your shoes and have people look at your feet and say, I'm going to put a bomb on these. I'm going to wash these and I'm going to stay with you when they get dirty again. I'm going to keep going with you. Because this is what Christ did, and there's a blessing in it. There's a blessing in it. I leave you this evening with a question. 
Are you washed and ready? Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for washing our feet. Lord, may we be bold and brave and humble enough to have our feet washed. Lord, may your grace, what you did on the cross, the ultimate sacrifice, may we humble ourselves and accept a foot washing from you and each other. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.